Did you know you can watch this episode on YouTube? Search for Accounting Influencers Podcast. And remember to like and subscribe to learn even more from the best experts, thought leaders and influencers in the accounting and fintech world. You're listening to the Accounting Influencers Podcast. This is your access to world-class accounting leaders, global influencers and thought leaders. Discover what makes accounting firms great and accounting professionals world-class. Sponsored by Dext. Make the businesses you advise more productive, profitable and powerful with better data and insights. Welcome to a special episode of the Accounting Influencers Podcast. And in this talent special, I am thrilled to have with me today from the New York State Society of CPAs, Mr. Calvin Harris. Good day, sir. All right. It's great talking with you. I appreciate being here. Calvin, what is your role involved? We hear a lot about CPAs, and we're going to dip into the whole profession here. But just for the benefit of our listeners and watchers, tell us what you do. Sure, sure. I'm the, I'm the Chief Executive Officer and CEO of the New York State Society of CPAs. So that is the, the membership organization that represents the certified public accountants here in New York State. Uh, but given that it's New York, we have members that are certainly outside of uh, our state borders. Got it. Is it as glamorous as it sounds? It's a very prestigious job title. I'm probably a little biased, <laughs> given that I'm sitting in the chair, uh, but I, I very much enjoy the role. I've been in it uh, about 15 months now, so uh, it still feels new, uh, but I, I'm really excited to be in the role. And is it necessary for CEOs like you, there's a lot of state societies, to be a CPA? You're a, you're a diehard CPA. You've been in this game 20, 30 years, haven't you? Yeah, I, I have. I, I, I'm, I'm licensed as a, as a CPA, uh, licensed in another state, admittedly, uh, but, you know, the credential often tracks across. So I've been a CPA for over 25 years now. Uh, so um, I've been uh, doing accounting work for 30 years at this point. So uh, uh, it's certainly not required that a person be a CPA or a, an accountant to be in this role. But I think for, for me and for, for New York State, I found it to be helpful. There's a perennial debate, isn't there, as to whether, say, a soccer coach can coach soccer if he's never played soccer, or a, a softball coach, can she coach softball if she's never done softball? And understanding what it's like at the top of the game, like basketball, you can get inside their heads. That must help to a degree. Yeah, I think it does. And, and you know, sticking with the, the, the soccer analogy, I happen to be a big, a big fan. And, uh, you know, my, my, my favorite team, uh, Manchester United, if I recall, uh, Jose Mourinho uh, was not a, a big soccer player or big no, football player. Neither was, neither was Alex Ferguson, actually. He had a very, a very celebrated career. Yeah, so, uh, you know, he, he had success at Aberdeen and at Man U. So, uh, you know, we, we got a lot of examples, you know, Pep. Clearly, he's done well both as a player and a coach, but uh, and manager rather. But uh, we, I think, we can see things, and I think using that same sort of analogy, I know quite a few colleagues that are heading up state societies that are not CPAs uh, who have been successful. Um, and I, I hope to be uh, to to show and continue to show that we can be successful as CPAs in this role too. Well, on this show, we talk about the profession, what state it's in, what is going on. Give us an overview from what you see in your role of what kind of shape. 
the accounting world is in right now? You know, I think when it comes to that question and so many other things, a lot of it comes down to perspective, really. I, I will say, despite more than 30 years of being in the profession, I think this is one of the most amazing times to be an accountant. And I, I, I truly do. Uh, where, where so many are seeing concerns from, from opportunities like AI, I see it as an opportunity for accountants to be more strategic. Where we have worries about outsourcing, I think, again, it has an, out, an opportunity for us to focus on the things that will add true value to our clients. I think it all comes down to perspective. But what I do think is really critical is, is the relevancy in the profession. Um, I, I'm certainly not the first one to say this, uh, but I, I, I just passionately believe that showing the relevancy of being an accountant, showing the relevancy of being a CPA, being showing the relevancy of being part of important organizations like the New York State Society is key. Because when we think of the challenges we have with younger people wanting to be interested in the profession, if they see how it can be relevant to their lives, they'll be interested. If we think about the people we may have lost during, whether it's the pandemic or, or aging populations, if they see the relevancy, they'll want to stay in it. But I think when you've got relevancy, it's really really hard to turn people away if they see how something will connect with them on a, on a personal level. Sure. And you're a very candid, straight-talking guy. Yeah. <laughs> as much as you've got a heart for the profession, do you sense a slippage, a leakage in relevancy, like accountants are losing their grip in the world? Yeah. Uh, I think it's been a long time coming to, to get to where our current challenges are. But, but yeah, I do have to admit that I think we've, we've, we've lost something in being able to tell our story so well. Um, the, the, the odd part is that we have so many more opportunities to communicate a good story and to communicate a good message. Uh, just you and I talking like we are right now would have been unheard of just 10, maybe 15 years ago. Now it's, it's commonplace. People, uh, undoubtedly, people will listen to us or watch us on their phones, <laughs> which didn't exist in that sort of way 15 years ago. Uh, but I think, and maybe it's just the nature of the, the type of people, myself included, I can say this, I'm a CPA, so I can say this without, without bashing us, we're not necessarily the people who are great at telling stories. Uh, I became an accountant because I was exposed to it very early. My, my late mother was a high school bookkeeping teacher. So at a very early age, I got to hear about bookkeeping and I was the kind of kid, you know, nerdy kid, the kind of kid that would actually read his mother's textbooks. So I was that kid. Yeah, so that's how I got in there. But if you talk to a younger person, you know, let's talk about an elementary school kid. If you ask them to talk about careers, you can guess four that'll come out immediately. Doctor, lawyer, entertainer, athlete. Those four you know are gonna come out immediately. Uh, but I, I suspect you won't hear them say accountant uh, unless they happen to know someone that's there. So we, 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 we have a little bit of work. Well, frankly, we have a lot of work to do to make sure that we're putting out and making sure that people can see just how relevant this profession can be. And you and I are old enough, Calvin, to remember that uh, train driver and astronaut would also have been on that list, particularly for the boys as we were growing uh, up. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's, it's funny, yeah, because one of my best friends in elementary school, he wanted to be an astronaut because he would see he saw the space shuttle. So uh, absolutely. And I think when, when it comes to younger people, the things they see, there, there's an old phrase, you know, what you, you, you can be what you see. Uh, so I think the exposure ends up being so important. It's a not dissimilar situation here in the United Kingdom. A friend of mine that works at Deloitte recently did a talk in his local school and he asked the children what an accountant is. They didn't have a clue, Calvin. They mentioned something vaguely about numbers, but they had no sense of what that is like. And this is a secondary school, a senior school. So 
what we've seen then is, is an erosion, a slippage. Is that coming from complacency? Is it outside drivers that are drowning out the relevancy of accountants? Talk to us about some of the drivers here. Yeah, I, I think it's probably a little bit all of the above. So side note, ra random bit of trivia. You mentioned Deloitte <laughs> and the, you know, two, two of the founders, Haskins and Sales, were, were within the first 20 CPAs uh, here in New York State. So side note, a uh, li little bit of New York State trivia for for Thank you. you. Uh, so what I would say, though, is all of those things play a part in in, in terms of there. Uh, I've spoken to young people, uh, frankly, even in elementary school, and and what I've done when I when I communicate with them, I've gone to the real basics. I will just start pointing at things and saying, "Hey, you see that chair over there? There's an accountant that's that's tracking the money. You, you see that chalkboard there or whiteboard there? There's an accountant. I would point to the teacher. You see that teacher there? Someone's paying his or her salary. And at some point, one really smart kid will say, wait a minute. So you're saying everyone needs an accountant. And at that point, I know I've got them. <laughs> because at that point, I know they understand that the one of the, the, this is one of the few professions that irrespective of industry, irrespective of what's needed, we're needed in some way. Now, no doubt, technology has has shifted the case where you don't necessarily have the person always sitting in the corner with the green visor on. But the, at the same time, there's always someone tracking the money. That's what's so amazing about the profession. And sometimes you have to break it down in those kind of simplistic terms for, for younger people to follow. Because once they get it, that's where the passion can start. Is there some responsibility lying at the feet of the professional bodies, the governing bodies, the institutes, the societies in maintaining not high standards in the profession, but the reputation and the image of what it means to be an accountant. Yeah, well, this is a, a much this one question could be an entire discussion uh, on there. And I don't mean it to be hurtful for you because you're one of those people, Calvin. No, <laughs> oh, believe me, I I, I take it in stride. Uh, and, but I think, but I think your point is very, very relevant, and it's very, very good point. You know, the, I I won't say blame, but as much as I'll say that we all have a part to play, myself included, in making sure that the the profession looks and feels relevant. Um, th there's a there's a debate that's ongoing in terms of the 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 challenges that can exist and become just becoming a, a CPA. The CPA is a gold standard for a reason. And I'm not saying that just because I am one. One of the things that despite knowing so early I wanted to be an accountant, I had no earthly idea of all the opportunities that were gonna be available to me just by becoming a CPA. So some of it is just messaging. Uh, now, I still believe though, that there's a certain amount of rigor that is necessary in becoming a CPA. I don't think that can ever go away. Uh, I, I think the, the question that we often have is, how do we get from here to there? Because I think there are a lot of ways that we can maintain the rigor and maintain the integrity of the profession with, with um, without too many uh, barriers and hurdles. Uh, and, and some of it comes down to just straight communication. Some of it comes down to making sure that people can see that it's exciting. No doubt, there, there's often a question on uh, to think about, you know, what organizations are paying people when they first come out of out of out of college or university because that'll also play a part you know no doubt I was one of those students that looked and saw how much I thought I would make when I came out of school um, so there, there are a lot of I think it takes a joint effort I, I'll say the good news is 
is that so many parties, whether it's state societies like mine, you know, global, uh, national organizations, large firms, lots of organizations, we're all seeing and feeling the shortage at the same time. So we're not always going to agree. And I think that's okay, because sometimes you need that sort of disagreement, a healthy disagreement, to make sure we're identifying all their opportunities. But I do think that all of us play a part in making the profession better. Some of the blame, blame's a strong word, but some of the responsibility perhaps might lie at the feet of the professionals themselves because COVID and the pandemic gave accounting professionals a real opportunity to step up and be more strategic, less conservative, less historical, more forward-looking. As clients cried out for someone to hold their hand and navigate through the, the dark times of what was happening in the economy and the whole... Uh, the whole world, really, and accountants perhaps didn't step up as much as they should have done. Would that be a fair accusation? Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure I'd go that far, but I, I do think there was an opportunity um, that in some cases was missed in terms of showing how important we can be. Uh, I, I, I've definitely known colleagues and, and, and organizations that really only made changes towards a more flexible and inclusive workplace, the ability to really leverage technology when the pandemic forced them to do so. Now, wh where I was working during the pandemic, uh, that organization had the, what I'll say, the unfortunate circumstance of what in the, in the New York area was called uh, Superstorm Sandy, I think it was called that nationally, um, that created a flood and it, and it forced that organization out of its offices. And after that storm, they were like, you know what, we can't have this happen again. We're going to be prepared that at a moment's notice, we can leave the organization, we can leave these four walls and make it still work. You fast forward a few years, a pandemic occurred at that organization. When it was time to leave, everyone said, take your laptops home. <laughs> if you don't have a Wi-Fi card, let us know. Be prepared to work in two weeks. Well, those two weeks became two and a half years. But that organization was well prepared. And as it turns out, that organization, in a very challenging circumstance, flourished. Now, what I've seen, you know, to compare that to the accounting profession, where I, where I saw firms and organizations that had already thought ahead and thought about the unthinkable, they they were able to work very fine. Their future proved it, didn't they? I, I, absolutely. Some actually grew during that circumstance. And in some cases, they found ways to enhance their footprint, which, which almost goes uh, against logic that you could be in a global pandemic, yet find a way to grow without doing anything that actually is taking advantage of individuals. Well, they took advantage of technology and they took advantage of making a more inclusive organization. They found ways to maintain all of their employees. In some cases, because the employees were actually working harder at home than they were in the office, they found ways to make it to make the financial incentives there. Uh, I, you know, I don't want to say I've seen so many people say it's just as simple as money. I think that's a little simplistic, but there's no doubt where our salaries are competitive people will find the profession appealing. Well, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but the starting salary for a CPA or a, a graduate in the United States, maybe 60, 80,000. For a lawyer, it's it's north of $100,000 a year. It's more. So already the legal profession is telling the accounting profession, we reward smart graduates more than you do. It's simplistic, but is that the case? Yeah, and I, I and I'm not sure if those are the exact numbers, but I think your spread is probably probably in the, in the right ballpark. You know what 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 the the, the lawyers and look, my fiance is a lawyer, so I'm not, <laughs> I'm not so I, I'm I'm going to make sure I tread carefully here. But um, 
you know, the, what, what the lawyers and the doctors, by the way, and I'm not picking on doctors, I love doctors, they have quite a bit of things they have to do after the, the four year here in the United States, after the bachelor's degree. You know, lawyers have law school, um, you know, doctors and, and, and nurses and PAs will have, met, you know, graduate or medical school, and then they have an internship and, a, and, and after that. So, you know, it, it, you know, the one one of the broader concepts that's been on for a while now is is the additional hours and additional year it might take or years it might take to become uh, eligible to apply for a CPA. It's it's in, in many cases it'll still be less than one might have as a doctor or lawyer. We don't say that story often enough. Um, but I think the if you are a younger person, you're just simply looking at the salary and you see that gap. Suddenly, you might think, you know what, I'm willing to have that additional year <laughs> for a lawyer, those additional years to be a medical professional, because here's what the out, what the out parts, uh, the, the output's going to be on the back end. So I think it all plays a part. But even there, if they see the relevancy, then they can also they can also understand why that additional time will be worth it. Who do accountants listen to, in your view, Calvin? Who has the ear? Of the accounting professional these days, guys, be quite a few people, and uh, you know, I, I, you know, hopefully, uh, we're, we're we're listening to our our our, our, cli our clients and our stakeholders because they'll they'll they're often the the best source of information in terms of we're on the right track or or more challenging track, um, you know, and the market of course uh, plays a part there. Um, but I, I think where so many of us are challenged, and, and this happens in all organizations, certainly, you know, one, one here as well, is making sure we're providing enough focus internally. Because if you don't have the internal right, if you don't have the, the, the culture right, if you don't have everyone understanding a, a combined vision in terms of how we're going to move forward and understanding and buying into that vision, nothing is going to work on the outside. If your inside is off, you know, if we if we stick with our old uh, our, our sports analogies, and I, I won't promise that it'll be, be my last one, but but uh, you know, but <laughs> if 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 you if you don't have the right players, you won't be able to score. It, it doesn't matter um, how how fancy the 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 stadium is or how how well maintained the pitch is. It won't matter if you don't have the internals right. Um, so and and then sometimes as you know, sticking. I'll try to make this my last one. Sticking with my 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 favorite team, you know, j just one change in the manager seems to have invigorated basically the same group, <laughs> but they all have a shared vision. And I think in a in a, in accounting, us having a similar vision makes a huge difference. So I think what becomes key, and and everyone struggles with it. I struggle with it as a CEO, but it's still critical for us to do it. Is to make sure we're listening to the people that are working for us. It, it's hard to do that too much. I have it in my head that, hey, I want to make sure I'm doing that more because so many of the best ideas in terms of how to move things forward are going to already be in your, already going to be in your house. And you got to make sure you're listening to those. You're a black man in a white man's world, if I can be that generalistic about it. We've had a, a number of people on the show talking about diversity. Does accounting have a diversity problem, Calvin? Can I ask you that straight? Yeah, I, I'd say that the accounting profession has the same challenges with diversity, equity, and inclusion that, mu that much of the world does. Fair um, I, I'm excited that the accounting profession recognizes it and, and strives to move forward. There, there is no doubt that I wouldn't be where I am in my career to date without so many people who do not look like me taking a huge part in terms of making my career move forward. Now, that said, we still have to acknowledge that the percentage of 
uh, people of color and historically marginalized groups within the accounting profession does not at all match the, the population at large. We have a gap there. There's no point in pretending that we don't. Now, is it fair to say that the accounting profession is worse than any other industry? No, I don't think that's unfair, but I, I, I would be less than genuine if I didn't acknowledge we need to do that. Now, Personally, I'm excited that, you know, I, I, I recently joined the uh, AICPA National Commission on Diversity and Equity and Inclusion to hopefully move things forward there. Um, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing that I am just the, the second uh, person of color uh, to be in the CEO role. The first, you know, trailblazer, uh, Ralph Albert, Albert Thomas, who just recently retired out of New Jersey, but he spent 20 plus years as the first and only until I stepped into this role uh, a little more than a year ago. Uh, there are two others, including Ralph's successor in New Jersey and, and a colleague in, in Illinois. So there are three of us. Now, it, it's a little too simplistic to say, oh, well, we got three and that's a good, I'm not trying to make that sort of conclusion because the reality is what's more important is making sure that beyond just people like myself, and I and I, I realize in this role, looking like I do with the background that I have, um, I have a re I have a responsibility to make sure that I'm I'm speaking on as many groups as I can, even though my my my, my pay job is to be for New York State, and I and I feel passionately about that. I I, I also feel passionately that this profession that I love, this profession that this profession that I've spent thirty plus years in, that's given me so much, it does sadden me to see where. Uh, so many others uh, of people of color aren't even considering as an option uh, to where the opportunities are amazing. That's what I started with. I think the opportunities right now are as great as they've ever been. So I, I wouldn't go as far to say we have a problem because that, you know, because unfortunately people always see that as a negative. But I, I do say we have a huge, huge opportunity to make this profession more inclusive. And I, you can track down any number of statistics that will confirm more inclusive industries, more inclusive organizations, they do better financially. So we're, we're not even talking about, you know, you know, uh, pie in the sky, hey, let's do good in the world. Yeah, we should. But oh, by the way, when you do good, you'll also be doing the right thing for your for your business from a financial point of view. I mean, how can you lose <laughs> if you if you if you're doing it both ways? Copy that, and it doesn't just go to race; it goes to gender. And Jen Craddock, your colleague in Pennsylvania, Absolutely. was one of the few women to head up a state. I'm not saying we're doing any better here in the UK, but the head of the uh, Association of Chartered and Certified Accountants, the ACCA, is a woman. Same with the Institute of Chartered Accountants in England and Wales, Julia Penny. And, and we've had them on the show. And it is great to see women in leadership roles. But the stat remains that whilst more CPAs, accountants are actually women, less of them are in leadership roles. That, that's a telling stat on gender diversity, isn't it? Yeah, it, it, it is. It, it, it very much is. And clearly, there's an opportunity for us all to do a little better in that regard. And, and, and one thing I probably should add when it comes to making sure we have a more equitable and inclusive environment, you have better ideas come together. You know, yes. Uh, I, at this point in my life, I, I know where my, my strengths and my challenges are. And, and when I get a little confused, I'm, I'm fortunate enough that I have colleagues, friends, and loved ones who will say, Calvin, you're screwing up. <laughs> so that's good. But I, I know for me, when I'm trying to engage people, when I'm trying to hire people, I'm not looking for someone who, who thinks like me. I'm, I'm, I'm not looking for someone who necessarily has my, my background or whatnot. Um, I want someone who's going to add to what we don't have. And I, I think when leaders think about it from that perspective and that point of view, you're going to end up finding 
uh, people don't necessarily look like you, who don't necessarily have your background. Will you always agree? No, but that's where the opportunities are. But that's threatening as a leader, Calvin. If I'm in any way insecure, I want people that are going to say yes to me. I want people that think like me that will affirm what I'm saying. Right. And, you know, people who are going to, you know, think like me and affirm what I'm saying, that's going to make me feel better. <laughs> It'll make me feel a lot better. But will it help move the organization forward? Will it help move the profession forward? And even worse, might there be blind spots that I have? Because we almost we all have them. And if I've got a person who's just like me, then we're going to have the same blind spots. How is that moving anything forward in a positive way? In a previous conversation that you and I have had, you talked about the pipeline challenge, both in attracting young people to the profession and people that are perhaps a little bit later in the career coming into public accounting. Talk a little bit about your feelings on that topic, Calvin. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm very excited that there are so many things happening to try to get the pipeline moving. It, it is an issue that has a lot of layers. And it has a lot of complexity. Um, and even recently, there was a, a, another task force or commission created to really focus on the pipeline that we, we have some New York State members uh, on there. So I'm excited to see the work that comes out of there. I, I, I think in the end, we are finally recognizing, well, let me not say that. I think it's been recognized for a while. We, and we've tried a lot of things. And, and some of them work, some of them haven't. Um, what I'm hopeful for as, as this commission and other groups are, are thinking through it, I can tell you, we, we rarely does a day go by that the word pipeline doesn't come out of my mouth. Uh, I'm hoping that we can find some things that are actionable. I mean, that in, in no particular order. Um, I, I feel strongly that showing the relevancy uh, of the profession is, is very important. Uh, making sure that we we have starting salaries, we talked about a little earlier, starting salaries and continuing salaries that will be financially attractive and, and encourage people uh, to be a part of the profession are important. Um, I, I think showing and being candid where we are and, and candid internally on the on the proverbial work-life balance is important a, 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 as well. Um, and I think particularly in an environment where so many of us are used to doing things virtually at this point, and there's still, there's still things where you, it's hard to replace a, a networking reception virtually. I've done them virtually. I've done them in person. The, the connectivity, I think, personally, maybe that's just a little old school on my part. I think the connectivity is made way better when you're in person. But we still have to find ways to show all of that. Um, and I think little by little we'll get there. But we also can't forget making sure that we have deep conversations with the schools. Uh, so many people, uh, young people, they're getting their information from those from those professors, from those from those teachers uh, as well. And their messaging, I find consistently to be good and positive toward the profession. We also have to make sure that we're arming them with enough information to be be to be thoughtful and making sure that we're partnering. I know here in New York State, we have quite a few ways that we connect with our colleges and universities, and also even with, with our high schools. We have a high school program that just wrapped that 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 exposes uh, younger people to the accounting profession. Invariably, we hear about people that are now being a part of the profession. Now, that particular program is focused on, on underrepresented groups. It's, it's open to all, but it actually is focused on, on people who have typically not chosen accounting. So I think continuing programs like that, expanding programs like that, and all also thinking about any of the barriers that can exist, some of them financial, some of them, uh, you know, time-wise or, or perception-based. We, we, we have to tackle all those things. So, you know, pipeline is an easy word to say, but it's a really challenging way of, a, it's a really challenging problem for us all to solve.
here at Accounting Influencers, we run virtual international speed networking events. You're absolutely right. It's not as good as shaking somebody's hand and looking them in the eye face to face, but it does encourage conversations and stimulate that cross-fertilization of everyone in the accounting and finance world and, and the vendors, providers, coaches that serve them. Just going to the, the modern day professional, the world is clearly changing, Calvin. You've adapted really well. You've stayed relevant yourself. What skills, attributes do you feel the modern day professional needs to stay relevant themselves? Yeah, uh, I think one of the most important skills is the ability to communicate. Uh, to be able to communicate with our clients, with our stakeholders, with our employees, with our colleagues, uh, and, to be, and to be able to say a, a, a message. And I'm not saying that in a in a in a in an acting sort of perspective. You know, I, I think people can can genuine, genuinely tell when someone's not being genuine. Uh, and I'm not saying that you should just start creating uh, these these masterclass speakers. Uh, but I think our ability to communicate is critical. You know, here, here at the New York State Society, we actually have a Toastmasters group that gets together and helps people with their their public speaking because we 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 think the the technical skills have to be a given. You know, I mean, let's be honest. There's no amount of storytelling that can work around a person that can't you know tell a debit from a credit. <laughs> so so your your technical skills have to be a given. And you know the beauty of being a CPA is the the, the continuing professional education. Uh, you know all of us gripe about it from time to time, but I always get excited when it's time to renew. I just renewed my my license very recently because it gives me an opportunity to make sure I'm up to date on what's important. So the technical has to be the given. That has to be the foundation. That has to be the baseline. But where I've seen accountants and CPAs be truly successful, it's their ability to communicate. It's their ability to tell a story. It's a the ability to chat with a board. Um, of non-accountants and help them understand, here's where your organization is. Here are the good things. Here are the, cha here are the challenging things. Here's how we're going to move forward. Um, it's, hard to, it's hard to be successful if you aren't able to communicate effectively. And that's, that's truly important. That makes good sense. You talk about CP, continued professional education in the UK. We call it CPD, CP development. It's technically based as I understand it, it's largely technical. So you keep your technical qualifications relevant, but does CPE for you include leadership skills, presentation skills, communication skills, developing empathy and emotional intelligence, that kind of thing? It, it, it can. And, and I can say this real time, just given how recently I renewed my license. I will say for me, particularly where I am in my career, um, I tend to really seek out those other sorts. So I did one that was on on time management. I did a, a CPE training on time management. Now, anyone who knows me well is that you do not want to try to have me schedule anything for you. I will botch it. Fortunately, I have an assistant and people who will always call me out, but I know it's not my strength. So I'm like, you know what? That's the class I need to take <laughs> to make sure that I'm, I'm I'm maintaining things. I also did one on the, the importance of culture in an organization, which is part of why it's so so high on my on my mind as well. Uh, then, of course, I'll do ones that are based on changes to gap and, and the technical, because I think even in this role, even with me not doing the, the the standard CPA work, I think it's also important to make sure that you're you're staying on top uh, from a technical perspective. So you seem very coachable and teachable as an individual, Calvin. Is that representative of the profession as a whole? I've met accountants that have said, I've got my qualification. I'll keep it up to date, but that's me done now. I'm just out there earning money and looking after clients. Yeah, I, I think so much of that will depend on the person and where they are in their career. Um, I, I, I would say if I were a sole practitioner, focused on 
individual and small business tax, my absolute focus would be on CPE in that area. I wouldn't necessarily worry about doing a, 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 a an accounting for nonprofit CPE. It, it may not be relevant to me. So I think in so many cases, um, the, the, the continuing education we take, hopefully, if we, if we take it in what I think the spirit of CPE should be, we should do it based on what's going to help us better in our current jobs. Now, so much of my current job is, I shouldn't say current job, because this is the, the last job I hope to have, <laughs> but so much of the work in this job involves me being able to present information, making sure that I'm thinking through the culture of, of my organization and the members. So I'm like, you know what, this is very, very relevant to me right now. So I leaned into that. So I think the, the classes that one take, if they're really approaching it from the most effective way, they'll think about what's the most relevant for them and what they're doing. And you're not just presenting information there. You are selling arguments and selling projects and selling ideas and selling opinions and selling initiatives and getting people on side, not just to agree with you, but to take action, make decisions and get something done or make some kind of change. That's more than just communicating, isn't it? You know, as it occurs to me, hearing you say that, I probably didn't say the more, even more important word is of listening. Yes. You know, one of the most important things I need to do as a leader is listen. Because I'd like to think that I am uh, empathetic and 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 showing, uh, you know, showing good judgment and wanting to do the right thing. Well, you support Manchester United, so we'll we'll hold fire <laughs> on your judgment there. But uh, carry yeah. on. Carl. Well, in recent years, I don't blame you. So, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it is going beyond that, isn't it? And the other side of the conversation is the listening and asking good questions, so you elicit the kind of information that you want to help them all make good decisions. Calvin, this has been a wonderful, stimulating conversation. You're such a wonderful advocate for the profession. Let me uh, finish by asking you, what gives you the most hope for the future? Yeah, that's a that's a big question, Rob. I, I would say what gives me the most hope are, are the younger people I keep meeting um, in, in, in this role, you know. New York State, you hear New York State, you immediately think of New York City where I'm, I'm recording this right now. But geographically, this is a much bigger state. You know, one of the biggest rural populations in the United States is actually here in New York. You don't think of it that way. Um, but we, we, we've got just such an amazing diversity, pun intended, in terms of this state. But as I go around the state and I meet some of the younger people, the, our younger members, the, the members that are below 40. The light shines out of their eyes, doesn't it? They're on fire. They are, boy, oh boy, I just, I feel like in some cases, I just need to get the heck out of their way and <laughs> let them get to work because that future that I see in them uh, from all walks of life, all backgrounds, uh, I'm really excited because there are, there are things that I find sometimes complicated in terms of, okay, how do I make this phone work? <laughs> sometimes they can, they can run circles around me. So I'm, I'm just very excited about what's going to happen because I think with the perspectives they've had, and, and, and no doubt they've had some amazing challenges uh, in terms of trying to negotiate a world that was in-person and virtual and back again, but they are so much more flexible than, than, than my generation. And I think when, when some of the technologies are really coming to scale, uh, they're going to find ways of moving this profession forward in ways I couldn't possibly be thinking of uh, with my background. So that gives me a lot of excitement in terms of what's going to happen. You know, contrary to some belief, I don't think the profession is anywhere near dead. I think our best days are absolutely ahead of us. And it's those that that next generation that's going to show it. That's so inspiring. We're going to need that next generation too, given the number of baby boomers that are going to be falling away, <laughs> retiring over no, the no. next few years. And people like you and me are going to be put out to sea to Calvin. So we're going to need people stepping up. 
Absolutely. Someone's got to pay for my retirement one day. <laughs> no, nowhere in the near future, but but one day. <laughs> no, you're still just very late twenties, aren't you? Very, very late. Oh, absolutely. 20s. Don't pretend you don't see any of this gray and the hair missing up here. That's that's all for for optics. I totally get that. Final question, Kevin. Let's say you and I are having a chat in two, three years' time, five years' time, and the dial has not moved. Things haven't changed for whatever reason. How are you going to feel then? And what do you think are the, are the drags that are going to stop the dial from moving? Yeah. Well. Heaven forbid that to be the case. But if if we haven't seen that kind of movement, I'm going to guess and hope that we identified a path, you know, in this time that we realize will take a lot of time to get going. That, okay, that we're just two years into that five, 10 year plan. You know, I, I sometimes use the analogy of, 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 uh, of running a race or losing weight. There was a point in my life where I gained a lot of weight and it didn't take me very long to gain that weight. I ate too much, <laughs> but losing the weight took a little bit of time and it actually took a lot longer than anyone would like before you realized the weight was coming off. So sometimes it takes a little time to actually see the change that is happening. So my hope will be that if we're saying that the dial hasn't moved, it'll be because we haven't visually seen the dial move. Now the dial's actually been moving. It just takes a little more time for it to be obvious. So that would be my hope is that it won't be because we didn't act. It would be because we did act. We acted strategically and it just takes a little bit of time because sometimes we just have to be patient and let things happen the best they, best way they can. That's a great message. And accounting does not change for thousands of years. So it's going to be glacial in the change, but we know we can do it. Calvin Harris, that's been a joy to speak to you today. Thank you so much for your passion and your insights. You're listening to the Accounting Influencers Podcast. Sponsored by Dext. Make the businesses you advise more productive, profitable and powerful with better data and insights.